Fearing forgetting. Should you try to maintain or relearn knowledge? Written by Scott Young, October 2020. How much should you worry about forgetting things? In one sense, forgetting is a very real problem. How many of us could still pass exams for classes we took in college? How many dust-covered books sit on our shelves which we've forgotten the plot? Knowledge, like all things, decays with time. It would be nice if there was a simple procedure for guaranteeing permanent memories. Indeed, it seems like there already are memories we have that are like this. A first kiss, a fantastic vacation, or the birth of a child. Yet psychologists question whether these memories are as durable as they seem. On September 12th, one day after the devastating terrorist attacks, psychologists had Duke University students record their memories of the event. Later, they followed up after 1, 6, and 32 weeks to see how well they held up. What they noted was that while the confidence of these flashbulb memories remained very high, the decline in accuracy was similar to everyday memories. Vividness, then, is no guarantee of permanence. You've probably forgotten much more than you realize. A great irony in learning is that those who remember best are the most acutely aware of how much they've forgotten. Retrieval practice is well known to be more effective than passive review for long-term memory. The research is clear. If you have to choose how to study, you ought to close the book and try to remember what's in it rather than just reread things over and over. Thus, the person who uses her Spanish skills occasionally is constantly reminded of their continual decay. The person who learned it once, but never practices, confidently puts it on his resume since his memories of the skill are still linked to when it was still fresh. My maintenance headaches. Okay, this has been an acute problem for me. On the one hand, I take seriously the problem of forgetting. After my language learning trip, for instance, I set up a maintenance schedule. Once per week practice with each language for a year, and once per month practice for a few years after that. I've done periodic programming and artistic projects to boost the skills I've learned there as well. And this practice has helped. My knowledge has decayed a lot less than it would have otherwise. But keeping it as sharp as it is right after I've been practicing intensively is hard. And the problem only multiplies with more things I've tried learning. Maintaining one language with weekly practice is doable. Maintaining seven is a serious time commitment. And this isn't just laziness on my part, but also recognizing that each hour spent maintaining knowledge is an hour not spent learning something new. A defensive strategy that prioritizes maintenance eventually becomes a straitjacket as you don't have time to learn new things. Admittedly, some of this problem goes away when you choose to specialize. I never worry that my writing abilities will atrophy, for instance. In those cases, the opposite problem is more apparent. The knowledge is so well-maintained that the routines I use can calcify and thus make improvement harder. However, for those like me who enjoy learning a wide variety of things, the maintenance problem can be a thorny one. In defense of relearning. Relearning as a strategy means accepting that your knowledge for old subjects will decay and that there will be a period of work before they're usable at their previous level. In the past, I felt like relearning was mostly a failure of planning. The effort needed to maintain knowledge is supposed to decay exponentially. 
which means that if you plan it properly, you can always both learn new things and maintain what you've learned. I've since become a little bit more skeptical of this. While the forgetting curve is certainly real and has a decidedly exponential shape, this doesn't automatically imply that exponentially decaying effort is required to sustain knowledge. Additionally, this would only apply to the kind of knowledge that you can easily represent in flashcards, which is probably a minority of the knowledge I'd like to maintain. Relearning, in contrast, has some good arguments in its favor. For one, relearning tends to be much faster than initial learning. The common complaint that you've completely forgotten a subject is usually wrong. Second, relearning is a form of spacing practice itself. So research shows that spreading out knowledge even past the point where you start forgetting stuff assists you with later recall in the same way that spreading out reviews does before you forget. Third, relearning prioritizes useful knowledge. So if something is more useful, you'll find more opportunities to practice it again, and it will thus be relatively sharp. If something isn't so useful, it will decay more. But this is exactly what we would want with a limited budget of time to learn new things. The major drawback to relearning. So I think intellectually speaking, relearning is a perfectly defensible strategy for lifelong learning. The problem seems to be more emotional. I've written before about the pain of rebuilding confidence. Your set point for a particular skill is higher than the reality, so even doing your best with the old skill seems terrible. I remember my first homework assignments doing MIT's quantum mechanics class several years after I'd done any calculus. It was awkward. I was struggling a lot with basic stuff, and this negative feeling might have made me want to quit. However, if you can push through this temporary feeling of inadequacy, relearning starts to look a lot better. It does add an additional cost to learn more advanced subjects, but there's also a savings in not needing to worry about active maintenance. Adopting the attitude for successful relearning. So the strategy I'm going to adopt with my learning going forward is offensive, not defensive. I want to enthusiastically embrace relearning opportunities. This is going to sometimes mean failures. I remember recently I was invited to appear on a podcast in French. Now, interviews are harder than informal conversations, so even at my best level of French, this might have been a bit daunting. Except it had also been nearly a year without practice, and with the busyness of a new book and baby, I hadn't been practicing my French as much as I'd like. Now, in the end, the podcast went okay. But an offensive strategy has risks. Sometimes I might fall flat on my face as the relearning burden makes performance impossible. Still, if I adopted a policy of not saying no to such opportunities out of fear of not being ready, then I'll end up with much better language skills in the long run than if I had made having done a lot of recent practice a prerequisite. I think my informal rule would be that if I wouldn't have said no when my skills were at their peak, I won't say no now, even if there's a good chance I'll fail. Similarly, I think acting as if there were no forgetting from the perspective of choosing projects is helpful. Having done MIT's intro quantum mechanics class, I've had ideas about going further. I didn't get to multiple particle interactions, which seems to be a key part of the quantum weirdness I wanted to understand. Yet realistically, I might not tackle such a project for a few years, in which case my quantum mechanics knowledge will have decayed considerably but picking the project as if there were no relearning costs might push me to do things like this more often.
Finally, I need to accept and budget for relearning. So while I think ignoring, forgetting, while choosing projects is wise, since otherwise some projects might be less appealing if you envision you have to spend a few weeks of relearning first, I do think it should affect time estimates. So I definitely felt my rustiness with advanced math slowed my quantum mechanics project down, even though I'm glad that I did it. While this strategy has difficulties, I think it's superior to one that tries to avoid all forgetting. I still have decades of learning left, and I hope that those are full of tons of new and interesting things, even if it sometimes occasionally means swallowing my ego and doing some rebuilding first. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott H. Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, and most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website, scotthyoung.com. Thank you.